0: Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, before we jump in to this episode with Matt Oxenwriter, I just want to let you know he is making available to our episode insider newsletter subscribers his template for the letter of intent that we're going to talk a lot about in this episode. It is so generous of Matt to do that. It is applicable to any and all parents. So uh, definitely listen in because he's going to talk about like, what is that? Why do we need one? How can it help us? But if you want this template totally free, just make sure that you're signed up for our episode insiders. And all you need to do is go to mothersandmisfits.com, scroll down. Put in your email address and boom you're done so we love to reward the folks that sign up with free stuff giveaways extra benefits and more insider information about our guests and this is a great example of that okay well without further ado here's the episode enjoy welcome back everyone to mothers of misfits we're always glad to have you back every week we're so glad you're here and i'm excited to introduce you today to matt Oxenwriter. He's a certified financial planner and the owner of midway financial which is just outside of pittsburgh so he's real close to me and he and his wife mary ellen have four grown children tim ellie charlie and katie welcome matt
1: thank you for having me
0: so we're going to focus in on charlie today because charlie as we said he's now uh an adult but he has down syndrome and with you being a financial planner, I'm really excited to get into a topic or a part of this um, parenting space that we haven't really talked about as much on the podcast, which is how to plan financially for a child who has special needs and how we think about um, positioning them for security over their lifetime, even after we're gone. So definitely wanna delve into that. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your kids, their ages, and you know what they're doing in the world right now.
1: Sure, I have four adult kids now. My oldest, Tim, is 29 and lives in Pittsburgh. He's a video producer. I have a daughter, Ellie, who is 26, who is a special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. outside of Washington, D.C. My daughter Katie is 22 and a senior at St. Vincent College, which is where Mary Ellen and I met. And Charlie is 25 and he is at home living with us right now.
0: So let's go all the way back. Charlie's Mm -hmm. your third in line. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was it like when you and your wife first found out that you were going to have a child with Down syndrome?
1: I am 53. I I believe Mary Ellen was 28 when Charlie Mm -hmm. was born, and we were not anticipating it. We had some testing, and everything appeared to be fine. And when Charlie was born, the physician sat us down and said that he had uh, Down syndrome. So, uh, It it was a surprise to us that night. I remember vividly going home and my biggest concern initially was not when we're around. I figured that we could always protect Charlie when we're around we can always protect him and shield him from any problems. I really just didn't want him to be on a bus where kids were taking his hat off and you know teasing him. That was my initial concern, but the concern was what happens when I'm not around? What happens when we're not there to help him? And yeah, you know, we're 28 at the time, mm-hmm. so realistically, it is hopefully down the road. But that was the first, the initial. Concern that I had, the initial thought that I had is how can we protect him? So, with that, um, yeah, there certainly were some financial measures that we could take, but more than anything, we just wanted to make sure that our life and Charlie's life was not defined by Down syndrome. We did not want that to be our identity we wanted to be a family and have a normal childhood for my kids and just go on with life if charlie happens to have down syndrome mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so how have you normalized that in your family and in your networks where you're not defined and he's not defined by down syndrome first
1: well First of all, we have a wonderful support network that we are both from large families. Uh, We're both active in the community and through the kids' lives, we were active participants with our other kids. We found the most wonderful school called the St. Anthony School Program that Charlie attended and was uh, part of he was mainstreamed part of a typical class and they would pull him out for, for supplemental work. But Charlie grew up going to the same school as my other kids. My other kids had the opportunity for their kids growing up to be friends with Charlie. Charlie was always around. So Charlie was always, um, you know, my daughter's friends, my son's friends always had exposure. And it's interesting to me, after the fact, I've had countless parents and students that were friends with my kids that have said that their kids were a bigger beneficiary than Charlie because they had the opportunity to have exposure, not just to Charlie, but with other kids with special needs, which is something that I did not have as a kid. And I think that helps those kids and my children in so many intangible ways to learn to accept, to learn to that things might be a little bit different. We're in a world today that a football player makes a tackle when they're losing by 40 points and they point out their jersey. It's all about them. We're in the world of the selfie where society has pushed us to having an identity that it's all about me and our motto it's bigger than you it's not Mm -hmm. just about you it's not just about you and with charlie i think that has enabled us to have real life practical uh, experience for that and i think that my kids are better adults because of it and their friends have done better. And I think that stems from that St. Anthony program and from having us, we've always had an open house that our house was the one that the kids sort of congregated to. With that, Charlie's just part of the fabric and some of the things he does are a little bit different and, you know, it's part of the deal.
0: Well, and you're comments about the importance of exposure to people who are different than us is reminding me of a recent episode we had with a guest, Yvonne Hong, and she is a children's book author and she writes about neurodiverse kids. But we spoke about how important it is not only to have books like that in our families who, when we have neurodiverse kids, so they can see other characters that are like them and identify with that, but also read those kinds of books to the neurotypical kids who might not necessarily be exposed in their classrooms or their families or their worlds otherwise to these types of kids. And I think that's a real takeaway for everybody listening is just seeking out those opportunities to meet with the Charlies or read books about kids that have different needs, have different talents, have different capabilities, and expose our kids really early on to the beauty in our differences.
1: Mm -hmm. I see so many parents, I've coached for a number of years, and I have seen so many parents that, in my view, try to live vicariously through their kid. They want to frame their kid in the best light. They want their child to be the superstar. Mm -hmm. And Charlie's a superstar in his own light. Charlie shines in his own ways. And Charlie is not going to be the star quarterback. Charlie's not going to be a NASA scientist. We get that. Okay, but Charlie's going to be the best Charlie he is. And with that, if we can accept him for what he is and not try to reconstruct him as what we want him to be. And I think that's the attitude that we have had And certainly we try to keep him within the norms. We try to, but having him live his best life, because I saw a study years ago that looked at what we want for our children. Do we want our children to be successful? And the overwhelming conclusion was that we don't want our kids to be rich, successful. We want our kids as adults to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that, We all define success and happiness in different ways. But I will tell you that Charlie's probably the happiest adult that you've ever met. And I think that just having him live his own life and within the norms as as much as we can and try to have him as happy and productive as he, he can be. And I think that was our goal. But again, not letting it define us. Charlie's, we're not going to let Tim's lacrosse define him. He's not a lacrosse. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a lacrosse player. He, he was Tim. I'm not the financial planner. I'm not the dad. I'm not, it's the whole package, And that's how we feel as far as Charlie with his Down syndrome.
0: And the core message of that, and I love, love, love this, is that our job as parents is to make our kids the best version of themselves and, or to foster that. Obviously, they're, they're the ones that are growing and developing in the person that they want to be, but that's when we win as parents. When they're the best version of themselves and happy. I, I like that too. Um, and, I, and hopefully one day I'll get to meet Charlie and I'm sure he spreads joy wherever he goes. But Matt, I wanna go back, because uh, I had promised at the beginning of this episode that we get into the financials. And so, what are the practical strategies that you put in place financially to address some of the concerns that you had about Charlie's? security over time, particularly from that financial perspective? Cause I'm sure, you know, I guess, I think all parents, no matter what their kids' challenges are, we all want to make sure that they're going to do okay financially, but with Charlie, there's some extra concerns. So how did you solve for that?
1: Well, there are certainly considerations that parents have with children and adults with special needs, could be a brother. There are so many situations out there that I've come across. There are a couple different issues. The first issue is during the childhood, making sure that all of the programs are accessible. Mm -hmm. And one of the programs that's most important is the Medicaid. Medicaid for the health insurance going into adulthood, we have to be cognizant of not having assets directly in Charlie's name. We need to make sure that monies are divorced from Charlie because the Medicaid is a needs-based program. And if we have money in Charlie's name, there is the potential to disrupt that coverage. Uh, Along those lines, you know, the supplemental Social Security, um, the SSI, we have to make sure that incomes as an adult are less than the government thresholds. So there are some measures that. We've taken with Charlie. Um, to begin with, um, we created a trust for Charlie. Sometimes they're called special needs trusts. I refer to them as supplemental needs trusts because it's a trust to supplement government benefits that Charlie might be receiving. It's it's to supplement, not to supplant the federal benefits that he gets. So. That's the first thing um, that, uh, that parents can do. Um, the next thing parents can do is in Pennsylvania, they have an ABLE account that if parents are familiar with a 529 account, mm-hmm. it's, much, it's the same concept that money for if the disability was diagnosed prior to the age of 26, that you can put money into an account that will grow tax-free for the benefit of uh, the person with special needs. So those are some of the things during the lifetime that you have to be aware of. Um, the issues that come up um, would be housing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is the thought of housing with Charlie? I don't see us in things. We take it day by day. I don't see Charlie moving. From us, he he's so content, and we're so happy having him. But parents' situations arise. What if we are not around? What if we're not not able to take care of him? Do you want to project him on another child? Some parents assume, well, the, you know, my other kid's going to take care of him. Maybe the other kid doesn't want to. Okay, maybe he's not able to.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think these are realistic conversations that um, you need to have Uh, my kids have said countless times they'd absolutely want charlie to live with them well I, i don't know if that's going to change if they change so we've made sure that we have money available for charlie at our death i don't think i'm going anywhere but we have plenty of life insurance specifically that pours into a trust at our death to make sure that Charlie's needs are met after we're not around, assuming that we predeceased Charlie. So those are some of the things that, that we've done. The big issues that I see parents struggling with are trustee. Who do you want as the trustee for that money?
0: And how do you advise those parents who are struggling with that choice? Well,
1: again, it's a case-by-case situation and it depends on what variables they bring to the table. Should it be a corporate trustee? I'm on a uh, board of an organization called Achieva. Uh, Achieve has a family trust, which is a pulled trust, which is available for adults with special needs. So you can have a corporate trustee in that in that light, or you could have your kids as a trustee, your adult kids as a trustee. It just depends on the situation. I did gloss over one uh, other important issue, guardianship. Mm-hmm. What happens if Charlie turns eighteen? what happens? Do we should we be guardians of Charlie? We made the decision to be guardians of Charlie. Um, We don't want to deny Charlie any rights, but frankly, if Charlie's in an accident and he's faced with a critical decision, Charlie would not be able to make that decision on his own. So Mm -hmm. issues with guardianship, it's different with each adult, and that's a process that you go through the courts because the courts don't want to um, deny an adult. Um, their independence. And we don't view it as denying him his independence. We look at it as we're an escort for him. We're helping him Mm. with those decisions. So there are, throughout life, there are different issues that come up that should be addressed. If there's money in that person's name, certainly it should be in trust. And there are so many different rules, the I before E except after C. Mm -hmm. There's countless rules that parents need to be aware of um, as they go through the journey. And my thought is it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You don't Mm -hmm. have to make it. Decisions can be modified. Most of the decisions that they make are not irrevocable. Most of them, some of them might be, but most of them are not. And if that's the situation, go into it with an open mind. I would encourage parents to, to work with an advisor, wherever they are, to help them through this, because it's a lot. Uh, the, you mm-hmm. know, Parents are used to being an advocate for their kids they might have experience fighting with the school district. They might have experience fighting for their child throughout their lifetime. And you can't be an expert in everything. And I would (laughs) Mm -hmm. certainly make sure that you have an advisor. I would make sure that you have an attorney that is in Mm -hmm. tune with this. Because this special needs is, it's not really estate planning. It's not really elder care. It's somewhere between because you, you have to have the attorney has to have the understanding of the federal programs. They have to have a complete grasp on social security. At the same time, there are estate planning issues that are there. What, you know, what happens if, if I'm not around and positioning those assets and making it flexible to the extent, I mean, my kids are, my other kids are adults now, but growing up, what happens if something happens to my wife and I and my other kids are minors? How is that addressed? And those are changes that need to be made along the way that when I'm sitting in in that, you know, sitting, The night Charlie's born and I'm contemplating I can protect him, those certainly aren't considerations that I had along the way at 28. I'm not thinking, okay, I can protect him. What about my other kids who's going to raise, who's going to be the trustee of the money should they be together? Should they be apart? There's so many questions that have to be answered. Another thing that I think is helpful for parents that we have our Mm -hmm. uh, clients do is something called a letter of intent.
0: Okay. What is that?
1: A letter of intent is a non-binding playbook. I call it Mm -hmm. that Charlie has things that Charlie does that you would only Recognize after spending A considerable Mm -hmm. amount of time With Charlie Charlie has his way of doing things So the letter of intent Is a written document That outlines You know what are Charlie's favorite Movies Mm -hmm. what are Charlie's favorite Television shows When does Charlie get up What medicine does Charlie take How would we want Charlie to be raised As far as as his religious life as far as his faith it's not set in stone. this is the way it has to be but how would we like mm-hmm. things to be charlie's registered to vote how does charlie vote? Mm-hmm. how does you know what therapist does charlie like who is his support coordinator who is their parents with the kids with special needs and adults will know that there are countless things that they need to know that are part of their daily routine and part of their child or adults daily routine. And the letter of intent is putting that, writing that all down and putting it in one position in one place, So if we're not around, there's a playbook there. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what's bank account number, Mm -hmm. what does the social security look like? So it's everything in one place. If something happens, it's not going to solve everything, but I think it will shed some light on the situation on how to transition. If we're not available to care for Charlie. I mean, frankly, for me, I've lived with Charlie for 25 years, and there are so many things that my wife does with Charlie that I'm not aware of, that I'm not, you shouldn't say not aware of, I'm I'm not part of the day-to-day routine. Mm -hmm. And with that, that's helpful for me if my wife weren't around. So, those are the things that letter of intent would provide. And I think that it's not a binding document, but I think, man, it's an instruction manual that'll give a lot of help um, potentially for someone that is given the responsibility of caring for someone. We've had 25 years easing into this
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i could say if you're a parent you know let's say you don't have a child and someone hands you a five-year-old and says good luck go go to it uh, and anyone that you wonder how do parents do it but they've eased into having that five-year-old over five years well the same is true with a child or an adult with special needs only there's a lot of different considerations and frankly, a lot of quirky considerations that you have. Charlie likes drinking out of a special cup. Okay, would have been nice if somebody told me that. We can tell you that. That's what the letter of intent will do.
0: This letter of intent, is it something that has to be drafted with an attorney or can a a parent just open a Word document and start writing?
1: Go to it, absolutely. The parent could do it in that manner. We have a, a template that we give to parents with different things to consider, mm-hmm. but absolutely, it's not a binding document. Make sure people know where it is when you know with your other important documents.
0: Right, that's the big thing: is don't just write it. Make sure that you let other people know where to get it. Maybe share it with your attorney or share it with your financial advisor so it's in their file as well. Because my parents actually also being in financial advising, I have seen the challenges of working through an estate of someone who's passed or someone um, who's had a, a significant medical crisis and is incapacitated and they're trying to find bank account numbers or documents or these important pieces of information and it I, I've seen the good, bad, and ugly of that. So make sure that this isn't just stored somewhere on your computer that other people, key people know about these important documents. But I love that that's free. You don't have to engage an attorney. You don't have to engage a professional. You can do that today. And gosh, that's so valuable for every kid. They all have their own quirks. They all have their likes and dislikes. And we as parents, if we're not there, we want to be able to have a say in what their future looks like, even if it's not us there to guide them. So I love that. And some of the other key takeaways just to recap from all the amazing advice you've given us is you don't have to do it all at once. That's encouraging to hear because it is overwhelming. You know, some of these, as you mentioned, are, are pretty complex, uh, strategies. They're uh, in complex systems and benefit programs, but I'm hearing you don't have to do this day one. You can do it over time. I'm also really encouraged to hear that this isn't a one and done. It's not set in stone. At least most of the things can change as life changes and circumstances change. Another big takeaway was you should have a guide. And on that note, do you suggest that families seek out someone who specializes in special needs planning so that financial advisor and attorney, should they specifically have experience working in these kinds of situations?
1: There is a new designation for special needs planning offered through the American College. I I, I do think that there are different companies have sponsored different programs. I think if you find a certified financial planner and a CFP as part of their creed, if, if you have a CFP, and it is beyond their expertise they by their code should pass it on to another professional that perhaps uh, is more proficient in this so i would say to ask your advisor I, i do think that that family should work with a certified financial planner i do think that if they ask their financial planner, I do feel that parents have an ability to see, to, to feel whether or not that advisor knows what they're talking about. They'll know It's a different language for parents. And I think in short time, in a conversation mm-hmm. with their advisor, they, they should understand whether or not he, he or she understands the basic terminology. But I would ask them for clients that they've worked with. I would ask them for recommendations. But if you have a planner that you trust and is working for your best interest and um, not just throwing commissions back, um, an advisor that you trust, if they're if they're not familiar with this, they should certainly refer it out. I have so many advisors that are friends uh, with me through the years that have called me through the years with a one-off question. I have a client that has this, and we're happy to to assist them with that. But I do think that the parents should talk to a planner if they don't have one. I just would encourage them, encourage the parents not to try to navigate this mm-hmm. on their own because if you've been through the education plan, the education mm-hmm. fight mm-hmm. with the districts, it's a, it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. There's It can bring you down so many different paths and can become so time-consuming and there's a lot of misinformation
0: so for the listeners that would like to talk to you, since you not only specialize in this, but you have lived through it, how can they get in touch with you?
1: you and look me up on our website is midwayfinancial.com.
0: Yeah, and we'll make sure to put your information and how to get in touch with you in our episode insiders. So those are... The emails that we send out every Tuesday when we drop an episode, we let you know exactly how to listen and also we give you insider information about all of our guests like Matt. So if you're not already signed up for that, make sure to go to mothersofmisfits.com and it's gonna take 30 seconds or less. Just go to the bottom of the page, put in your email address, that's all that we require. And uh, then you can get in touch with our amazing guests like Matt. Um, I just, I am so appreciative of you sharing Not only your personal experiences, but your professional advice. I have learned a lot in a short period of time, and I know our listeners have as well. And in a lot of ways, too, with such a complex, potentially overwhelming subject, in many ways, you put me at ease. And I think that just speaks to your caliber and how much you know your craft. So thanks again. And hopefully, soon, I I hope someday I'll get to meet Charlie. Thank you so much. It was nice talking with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at MothersOfMisfits.com.